Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. And we broadcast live from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. Two ways to do it. A phone call, 216-220-0966. Or if you want to try, and we'll be doing this very we'll be doing this very task later in the show, like 1035. If you want to try the new call-in number, that's 216-277. 2120 again 2162772120 that will actually get you to a call screener not me they will screen you out name where you're calling from what you want to talk about assuming the screener doesn't sniff you out as being nefarious and or otherwise ready to commit shenanigans and tomfoolery he will forge you to me You will then hear the show, so you're like in the queue. If you can hear the show, you are in the queue, and then I will try and pick you up as I can. So once again, that test call in line, if you want to try it out, 216-277-2120. And again, we'll try that as a whole test segment around 1035, and I'll get into that here in a second. Or if you want to email the show... You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the main show and the main website can all be found there, the bbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. And I have to tell you, it has been a long time coming. I mean, literally for years we have been talking about this. I have been efforting and efforting and re-efforting for months and months on end. As my grassroots plights and grassroot plights and movements have kind of come up on deaf ears as it relates to my quest to get into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. For less than pure reasons, tonight we finally break through. Show karma is shining down on us, and at ten—I'm sorry—at nine fourteen, we will indeed have Emily Park from the World Series of Barbecue to talk about the Barbecue Hall of Fame. 
I'm not exactly sure how that actually came to be. I have been emailing and emailing and emailing. Some might call it incessantly, especially over the last handful of weeks when I somehow got my hands on the official list or shortlist of folks that were nominees to be in the class of 2018. Then a week later, the 2018 class was announced, which I'll get into here in just a second. And I redoubled down on trying to get it in. So I've had it locked up more or less for about two weeks and just working on the final details, how we're going to be connecting, who I was actually going to be talking with. And this will be Emily Park, who is the events manager at the World Series of Barbecue. I'm not sure if she's ever heard the show. I'm not sure if she knows where I currently stand on the Barbecue Hall of Fame. However, that will become glaringly apparent as we go through that interview. Nothing will be malicious. Nothing is going to be Jerry Springer-like or anything like that. But I will obviously be asking all of the questions to Emily that I have been asking to the centralite and listening public here for the last 36 months, 48 months, you name it, however long I've been campaigning for myself to get into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. So that will be Emily Park at 914. Very excited for that. Then we will move on to 935 and a longtime listener and very loyal centralite, Dennis Busso, will be joining me out of Colorado. And he attended the most recent version of Barbecue University that is put on by third Tuesday of the month guest, Stephen Reichlin, for like 15 or 16 years. He's been doing some version of this cooking class, and he does it at very high-level resorts. Originally, it was at the Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. It has since moved there and has been at the Broadmoor for the last number of years. I don't even remember the last year that it was at the Broadmoor. I'm sorry, that it was at the Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. But the Broadmoor is where it's at now. Dennis went as a paying guest, so I thought it would be great to get a first-hand account from him. Somebody who has the Centralite's best interest in mind will be able to give us an ROI thought on it or return on investment. Also, a QPR, quality price ratio. What went down, menu items, access to Steven, Everything that he had encountered a handful of weeks ago, he will be able to unveil right to us. So if you have been on the fence, and look, I get it. If you look that up online or you go through barbecuebible.com and you look at that whole Barbecue University package, I don't know if it necessarily jumps out to you as a cooking class like we showcase here on the show from time to time, especially when it comes to the pitmasters or the competition cooks at least or some of those Traeger shop classes we've been talking about recently. But this is done at a luxurious resort, so you're probably looking for a certain amount of downtime when you're doing this, but you also want to get in your cooking, or at least say you got into some cooking. So we'll be able to get that true breakdown from somebody that was there, and will give us an honest opinion. He was not comped by Steven to come in as any type of media member. However, shout out to Steven. I'm totally down for that. If you want to hike my very wiry ass out there and look it up and hook it up from a media perspective, we'll do live everyday breakdowns if you want, whatever it takes for you to get me out there and my wife. That will be great. Totally open to that. Let's talk about that off air and make that happen next time around. But Dennis will be talking about his recap of Barbecue University 
at the Broadmoor in Colorado. Then we'll move to the second hour. A couple years ago, we had this guy on right as his company was launching called Crowd Cow. A couple years later, this thing is a monster. People are all about wanting to know where their beef is coming from, grass-fed stuff, ranchers that are sustainable, ranchers that are responsible. Everybody wants to know everything about beef now, especially those conscious consumers. Crowd Cow is filling that niche. Not only that, Joe, who will be my guest at 1014 and who was my first-time guest a couple years ago, Joe Heitzberg, has spent an inordinate amount of time over in the Far East, Japan to be exact, in the Kobe region, and he will be able to talk expertly about Wagyu, Kobe, the differences, the misconceptions, the stereotypes, and how Crowd Cow is actually importing the highest levels of beef that you can possibly get your hands on. I don't know if there's an easier way to get your hands on this beef except going through Crowd Cow. We'll learn how you can do it, how you can become a steak holder. You see what I did there? Because that's what it's called. What the prices are, what kind of cuts you can get, all the good stuff. And that will be Joe Heitzberg at 1014. And then at 1035, or depending on how Joe's interview goes, because we might run over a little bit to an extra segment, that's when we'll be definitely trying out that new calling system so we can see if the screening capabilities actually works. 216-277-2120. Again, that's 216-277-2120. If you want to try at the top of the second hour, 10 o'clock Eastern, you can certainly try it then. That's usually when we have some open. Or in the 1035. So stick around. Help me out. This is me asking you for help. 216-277-2120. The first voice you hear is not going to be mine. It will be a screener. And then eventually, if you make it through into the queue, you will hear the show live as it is happening. I don't think there's any like you get on FM radios and stuff like that. But this is as close it gets to regular radio pickups whatever that means anymore. So I'm asking for your help there as we close out the second hour. Looking forward to it. Emily Park coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and barbecue. Attention folks in the business of barbecue, all you food truckers, restaurant owners, caterers, all the good stuff. But what do you know about East Side Market and bar, sorry, South Side Market and Barbecue. Well, I can tell you this: they're established in 1882. That makes South Side Market and Barbecue the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. They offer premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow smoked over real wood. Shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S. As I'd mentioned earlier, from food trucks to multi-chain restaurants, Southside Sausage can be on your menu as well, and it's delicious. All meats are processed in their on-site USDA-inspected facility. How many other places that you're able to buy from have a USDA inspection facility on their site? Few, I would imagine. They're a trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options available. You can ship nationwide through FedEx, also available through Food service distribution such as Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods. Co-packaging available. From research and development to package completion, they can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new. 
Here's the most important part. Private label opportunities also available. What does that mean? That means if I want to have barbecue central beef sausage, I don't have to go through the painstaking efforts of trying to develop my own beef sausage recipe, then taking it to South Side, trying them to get to match it up, and then we're off and running. No, no, no. I already know I love Southside Market's beef sausage. It's like their claim to fame. It's absolutely delicious. But now I can partner with them. I can use their already successful beef sausage, put the barbecue central show name on it. That's private uh, labeling using their product, putting my name on it. And now we both win. I have a product line and a revenue stream generated in the barbecue central show that I didn't have. And Southside Market and Barbecue is selling their beef sausage to me so I can sell it to you. Everybody wins. Private labeling, you got to look into it. Southside Market's the place you want to partner with. Southsidemarket.com, 10% off coupon for online orders with code BBQ Central. One word, BBQ Central for 10% off all online orders at Southsidemarket.com. Barbecue Hall of Fame talk, finally. Stick around, we'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. And this portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauce, grilling oils, all of Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit to high success as well as in the backyard. Be the pitmaster or king of your cul-de-sac. Visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now, and I will be talking to you more about Dave Bosca here in the second hour. Again, that's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. If you are a fan of this show, you know I have been one of the more vocal personalities as it relates to the Barbecue Hall of Fame. For a few years now, I've been chasing down someone to do the show so we can talk about it in all aspects And tonight, the dream comes true. Let's go ahead and race to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome the event manager for the World Series of Barbecue, Emily Park, joining me here on the show. Emily, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Absolutely fabulous, Emily. Appreciate you making time for the show this evening. And a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and kind of jump right into it. I guess before we talk about the Hall of Fame and all that kind of encompasses and how it works, uh, maybe a little bit of background on you personally and how you get involved with the World Series of Barbecue. Absolutely. So I am the manager of the World Series of Barbecue. I have been this role for, now I'm going into my third barbecue here with the American Royal. And really my main duty is to make sure that I get the best of the best on the ground, um, have them have a great weekend, do what they do best, which is cooking and preparing the best uh, barbecue in the world. And I step back and watch all the magic happen. So um, I'm honored to have this career um, and to bring everybody together for for barbecue, for the sake of barbecue. Um, I've been an event planner for many years. So 
and I'm from Kansas City. And being from Kansas City, your heart is always with barbecue. So when the opportunity arose, I couldn't couldn't step away. Emily Park joining me here on the show, event manager, World Series of Barbecue. By the way, the website, barbecuehalloffame.com, if you haven't checked it out already. If you're a fan of this show, I know you've checked it out. The history of the Barbecue Hall of Fame, Emily, what can you tell us about how it started? And then there was some type of either buyout or, or transition between that uh, weird online presence that it, it had initially existed to when mm-hmm. the Barbecue Hall of Fame or the American Royal took it over. Absolutely. So it was a little before my time, but um, I will speak to what I know, and that's that prior, so it, back in 2011, um, the American Royal was approached by two gentlemen and kind of a group of collective people who had created what is now known as the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Um, they created it to honor the legacy of many of those who have changed the atmosphere of barbecue. Um, they approached the American Royal and asked us to basically keep it going. And we gladly accept it. So we are here to basically preserve the Barbie Hall of Fame. So in 2011, we kind of worked through that. We took the rights in 2012. Um, in 2012, any of those previously inducted um, members, we added into our honorary list. And then we kind of started the process with their guidance of how to continue this and how to get new inductees every year. So in 2012, a committee, um, a large committee, and this included uh, quite a few folks from the barbecue community here in Kansas City, um, came together and kind of created the procedures, if you would, um, to get the three inductees. So at the time, they created the three categories, which if you've spent any time on the website, you've seen those um, before, but there was celebrity, humanitarian, pitmaster, and business. Um, industry. So that was for some time. I That was up until last year. Um, and the process of voting has kind of changed that years, and I'm happy to dive into that if that's where you want me to go. But um, from the standpoint of the American Royal, really, we are the, we're the holders of this. We, um, the Barbecue Hall of Fame is not the American Royal Barbecue Hall of Fame, but really honors much more than what we um, get the ability to do. In 2012, when you guys took it over, was there one person out of that committee that kind of spearheaded the operation from taking it over from the online and making it more of your own vision? I think there was a group of people who had many ideas from what I understand. Um, but I do know that the two gentlemen who brought it to us basically told us to keep what they had going and, and improve on it. Um, there were some members of the committee that actually were still members of the committee as of uh, this last year. Um, that were there when it all transitioned over. So I can't personally say exactly what happened there, um, but I know that um, the legacy of the people on our group, too, have kind of remained the same. Emily Park joining me here on the show from World Series of Barbecue. Emily, as the new version of the Hall of Fame uh, starts with you guys, was there any conversation about doing a, let's call it a mass induction that first year to build a very large inclusionary base of inductees. For instance, uh, and this is a recent example, someone like a Columbus B. Hill or uh, mm-hmm. some other outliers that might be more relatively unknown barbecuers. And maybe it's just because, uh, like Columbus, not a lot of documentation uh, through them, like a, a lot of uh, the slave people that don't have a lot of documents unless you have ledgers because you know at some point they were included mm-hmm. as like 
horses and cattle and chickens, if you can <laughs> believe it. So, um, and then go after you have this wide base of induction, have more of a defined scope like it has been since that 2012 year. Absolutely. And you know what? That comes up every year. I can tell you that. And I know it came up there in the past. I mean, how do you take hundreds and hundreds of folks who have changed the world of barbecue and narrow it down to three? It's, it's an insanely difficult um, thing to do. So how did we get to this point? So I do know that in the beginning, um, there were, because the, the World Series, or the, pardon me, the Barbecue Hall of Fame, you know, there are some things that we want to honor back out. So there are financial obligations with that. So I do know there were some things to that matter in building what this was. Um, you kind of, difficult, I guess, to start a whole Barbecue Hall of Fame without some sort of backing. And that's something that we as the American Royal are trying to improve upon to give it its own standing, um, name and its own standing events and that kind of thing. So when we received it, I, the committee at the time structured it on three inductees. Now, it remained that way for a couple of years. And to the exact reason, I can't say per se, but I know that the current committee is kind of fighting this a little bit. How are we, we want to change this. Um, the initial step was last year by removing the categories. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you say that someone who's impacted barbecue is only a pit master? I mean, it was so difficult to put someone in such a small category. So that was the real, real thing we wanted to do last year to really impact this. And I think that we're open to having more. I mean, we want to induct more and um, we see a big, big future in this. So, I, I speak, I guess, for the entire committee and, uh, you know, my colleagues when I say that we're, this is a growing thing and, you know, it's, we've had it and been honored to have it for seven years, but we've only had it for seven years, you know, so there's so much more to come. All right. So let's go ahead and get into a little bit of the Hall of Fame specifics. Is yeah. there, is there a standalone committee that is solely responsible right now for the Hall of Fame and uh, who are they? Absolutely. So there is a committee. Um, it currently it holds uh, nine members. Those members include um, barbecue event planners um, like myself. Um, you have many authors and um, business industry all in barbecue. And of these, there are only three from Kansas City. So we really try to diversify this group and get people outside of maybe just our region, but really speak to um, the entire nation and world, really, for that regard, and get everyone's insight. So um, we are continuing to take members to this committee, and they can apply and be part of it, and they're voted on um, from the past inductees to see if they could be on this committee. And so the process of that then is those committee members, the current group, um, receive applications for about seven months, um, and we take them all in, and they are all reviewed and reviewed for many weeks because, as you would assume, there's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that committee reduces those down to nine through a rigorous process of, um, in lack of better word, arguing in a good way um, to really pick those nine uh, that should be voted on. And then those nine are taken to all past inductees. And if the inductee has passed, then um, selected probably one of their family or business members, as well as the committee members get to vote on their top three. 
So do the do the nine members are also vote on who would eventually get into the Hall of Fame? They do have that vote currently, yes. Okay, and then all of the uh all of the inductees get uh mm-hmm. get votes yep. as well. Yep, and so, they get three votes too. And um so when we're receiving those applications, you know, right now or at least in the past two years, we've actually changed the process of the applications as well. So when I started, um, we used to get uh, emails and snail mail and however you got it, and there wasn't really any criteria per se to put someone in other than saying, um, this person is a great pit master. And that sometimes was all the information we got, So, um, which is very valid, but we needed more. So in the last few years, we created an online um, application form And there are questions that are required to fill out that include, you know, a list of any awards or honors, if there are any, um, any, how they've impacted the barbecue community, uh, what categories, if any, they fit into, and can they fit into all. Um, And then when we receive these, we've gotten about 75 in the last two years, each year um, separately. Um, And of those, about 25 are... Um, of the 75, there's many duplicates. So it actually is about 25 actual folks who are inducted from 75 people. So then that 25 is what dwindles down, I guess, if you would, to to the nine. Okay, so how many how many names or is, is that the 75 that you're talking about? Like over each, so this year, how many entries mm-hmm. of people did you get to be eventually brought in to whittle down to nine to be... Mm-hmm voted on so it was 75 people yeah (laughs) my apologies i think i said that a little confusing so there were 75 nominations but of those 75 nominations only 25 unique names so many are duplicates so yeah so of the i know we sometimes like there'll be 10 for the same person now can i say that they don't have a group of their friends going in saying nominate me as many times as possible that i don't know um but you never know and and we get a lot of we get a lot of duplicates um, but to that point, we also get someone who is a backyard barbecuer who's changed, changed their community, which is just as impactful to a community as it is to our nation. So we get the gamut, which is um, it's great. It's very interesting. So you had mentioned that there are fairly heated debates or there are heated debates uh, between who should be picked and who should move on, who shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Is, there yeah. a, is there a visible or tangible set of criteria. You look at a bunch of other halls of fame, uh, for instance, sports, mm-hmm. you know, some you have to have been retired for so many years, and then you have had to have surpassed these benchmarks in order to be really considered. And you're also voted by sports writers or, or whoever it is. Is there a mm-hmm. tangible criteria that people can go out and look at on the Barbecue Hall of Fame website to see how their potential nominees would fit the bill? We don't currently, but I do think that's something we're going to add. Um, we have gotten that feedback, and I'm actually glad you brought that up because we want to make this a little bit more transparent. Um, so if someone wants, they need to know the knowledge of uh, what they're applying for, if you would, for for the nominee and what they need to know beforehand. Now, I will state that we're not as rigid as maybe some of the other Hall of Fame um processes, which though makes it a little more arbitrary uh, to be inducted. So our, our questions are much more broad. And I think this is just because, you know, how can I say that 
someone who's been doing it for 50 years and someone who's been doing it for 25 years haven't both very much impacted the world of barbecue in their own right. So that's something that, and you know, that's part of our argument, the good arguments that we have to have um, and the ones that might last hours, but go to the point of where we really want to make sure that our goal is get the people who really have impacted barbecue and how do we do that? Yeah. Emily, one of the criticisms of the way the current setup is, is a glaring lack of minorities and also, and maybe it's a perceived slant, but depending on how you look at those current people that are in there, maybe not so much, a slant towards competition cooks. Can you see mm-hmm. where that view is valid? You know, I we definitely have heard that too. And, um, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, it's by who's getting nominated. You know, we... Um, no one on the committee nominates, I will tell you that. It's kind of part of our, if you would call them our bylaws. We're not nominating. We just received the information. So I can't say um, if we're going to have a bunch of women nominated or a bunch of men nominated or kind of how it is um, racially diverse. But our biggest goal is not necessarily to look at the person as 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 their um, race or gender, but rather their impact. And that's something that is, that's something that we always have to do. Um, and it's a hard, it's, I guess, a hard pill to swallow sometimes because we want the group to be diverse. It is a diverse community. It is. Um, and you want to honor that, but we also just really want to see who's impacting. And I think that, that, and I, I apologize. I think I've used that word quite a bit, but I really mean it when I say, impact to the barbecue what have they done rather than maybe their um their background or culture is it potentially dangerous to leave nominations up to the voting public i mean one of us might have used (laughs) his platform to say hey if they're offering the general public to vote for people why not vote for Emily or, or why not vote for right? me? And maybe one of us has maybe seen their name thrown up here that might host this show every so often. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've seen your name come through. Sure. I won't lie to you there. You know, I've never yeah, seen it on that final list. <laughs> Jeez, it oh could man. be coming. Could be. It could be coming. So, um, I mean, is it is it, it is? potentially dangerous to leave it up to the voting public? Yes and no. Um, you know, and this is another thing that we talk about is – so you leave it up to the public, and maybe it's um, think about like a, a all star game. It's you know a little bit more like that. Are we just voting in someone because someone's more popular at the time? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that is we don't want to necessarily do. You know, we don't want to necessarily put someone in the Hall of Fame who's just popular, whereas we need to put someone in who's really should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And that that is something we struggle with. But on the flip side of that. You know, how how can you not ask the people? How can you not really get the feedback from everybody and really get the feedback? You know, how do you get this broader scope of of people to vote? And so I think that's why we have it currently opened up to our past Hall of Fame members. Because if you look at that group, it is pretty, you know, it's a, it's a broad group of people who have been inducted from all over the nation um, who in their own respect, have their own profession, a barbecue. So we we're, we try to hammer into that as much as we can, but I agree with you. It's um, it's kind of a slippery slope, so what do we do? 
Um, but it's a conversation that's still being had. Can we open it up more? What does it look like? How far does it get opened up? Who really votes on it? And I, and I, I foresee that this is something that would be continued to talk about. And maybe we don't have the final answer yet, but um, I would say I'm very proud of the procedure now and that we've really selected some great people. Is there, uh, by the way, we're talking with Emily Park from the World Series of Barbecue. Oklahoma has a Barbecue Hall of Fame that's specific to them. IBCA is just open one. Can you have mm-hmm. too many barbecues, halls of fames, and is the World Series of Barbecue or, or your Barbecue Hall of Fame looking to cover a, a certain specific, or are you looking to be the overriding, or, or would you like to bring everybody under the World Series of Barbecue Hall of Fame uh, moniker, if you will? That's a really interesting you know, way to look at it, to bring them under it all. Um, I will tell you from our perspective, um, we have a... Uh, lack of a better word, a, a five-year plan. Um, what do we foresee for the future of the Barbecue Hall of Fame? And we want to grow it. We want it to be um, have the same stance and um, legs as other sporting Hall of Fames. And, and it's not that big right now, and I think that's why other folks have opened their own. But what I, I fear is that they're missing is the broader reach. You know, being try to look outside your region and see a bigger scope of barbecue. Um, and that's really what we want to honor. So I don't think that we would ever, um, you know, snub the other ones for uh, at all because everyone's kind of has the same passion and goal in mind. And, you know, maybe one day we'll all come together and make this big, robust one. But right now, um, you know, they're doing what they're doing is great as well. And we're just going to continue ours and ideally in the next couple of years, grow it bigger and better. And, you know, the American Royal is the host of the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And we're looking to have a new facility in the next, you know, three to five years. And within that facility, you know, how, what, what is barbecue of our new facility? What does that look like? That's the things we're looking at now and um, how we can grow this piece as well. Uh, Emily, last question here before I let you go, and I appreciate the time tonight, and I cannot not ask this question or I'll get crucified. Okay. How is Guy Fieri in the Barbecue Hall of Fame? I mean, doesn't that, I mean, all kidding aside, I mean, doesn't that kind of pull at the integrity of the Barbecue Hall of Fame? He's not a barbecue guy, Hall of Fame-wise. That question is something that we've been asked before, and I think that was probably one of the reasons that the pillars came down if you would. You know, he was put into the celebrity humanitarian um, uh, silo, Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, he he was. Um, You know, I wasn't personally there at the time to see how that voting and everything happened, but I can't sit here and say that he hasn't impacted barbecue. Maybe has he impacted it in a different way than some of the current inductees? Absolutely. But, um, you know, he, he has really change the scope of, you know, food and the nation of food and how that looks too. So, you know, it's, he's a little bit different if you look at some of the other um, bios, but once again, like I said before, you kind of got to honor them all. And I think that, uh, you know, our role as kind of changing the scope of the inductee process and opening up those silos a little more gives us more folks to, uh, to look at instead of maybe just a celebrity. 
Emily Park is the event manager at the World Series of Barbecue. BarbecueHallofFame.com is the website. Emily, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. You got it. There she is, Emily Park. And I do believe we are under an audio issue here, so I apologize for that. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. I will uh, look into that here in just a second. I think you can only hear one side of the conversation at the moment. And yeah, well, I think I know what the issue is. I reset the computer and the... Roland didn't make the connection, and that's why you didn't hear Emily, but that's all right. Luckily, the podcast recording is 100% pure. I'll try and rehook up the sound on the other side so you can hear Dennis in just a second. I'll talk to you quickly about Traeger Grills. Behind every great meal is a great grill, but not just any grill, a Traeger Grill. And the Timberline's Traeger's most advanced grill yet. It allows you to grill, smoke, bake, roast, braise, and barbecue like a pro, no matter what your level, thanks to the incredible wood fire taste. Seriously, you don't know flavor till you're cooking with it. Traeger Grills use all-natural wood pellets as fuel, so you're literally cooking with flavor. From low and slow smoked ribs to a seared steak, even a baked apple pie, Traegers can handle it all, and the Traeger Timberline makes it even easier thanks to the Wi-Fi capability. You can check on your cooks, kick up temperatures, and set cook- custom cook cycles anytime, anywhere. All right on your phone through the Traeger Grill app. In fact, I need to go check out my brisket right now. Well, actually, you should go look at one at your local Traeger dealer, or you can check them out online at TraegerGrills.com. If you want to beef up your barbecue game, the Traeger Shop class is going coast-to-coast, bringing barbecue knowledge and amazing wood-fired food everywhere they go. Taught by professional pitmasters, you'll take home all the skills you need to reach barbecue glory. Find a shop class near you and sign up today, TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. That's TraegerGrill.com slash shop class. Stick with me as I try and redo the backside of audio on the guests. And Dennis Busso will be joining me right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. 
Visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well. Chris Becker and the gang out there at Cooking Pellets. Appreciate that. Also appreciate Emily Park for answering questions that a lot of you on pretty much any side of the audio, Facebook, and or otherwise didn't get. Get the podcast. That's why we have it. I can tell you it recorded very smoothly. Hey, the third Tuesday of the month, I'm joined by Barbecue Hall of Famer Stephen Reichlin. The last time he was on, we were talking about his Barbecue University class that he puts on at the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado. Always sounds like a great time, but what is the perspective from someone who's taken the class as a student? Those questions will be answered right here in this segment. Let's go to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome longtime Central Light, first-time guest to the show, Dennis Busso. Dennis, how are you, buddy? Good, Greg. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Dennis, appreciate you making time for the show. you have your uh, camera available by chance? I do. It's on, I think. Mm, I don't think so. I can't see you. <laughs> no? Fingers. All right. That's all right. So, uh, okay. Hold on one second here. Test, test, test. Now, well, hopefully everything's working all right. Um, let's go a little background on you, Dennis, first, before we get into your experience at the Broadmoor, um, you know, what you like to cook and when you got interested in live fire cooking. Well, Greg, you know, like most of us, I started when I was really young, about, uh, 18 years old and barbecuing and live fire cooking kind of worked out with the Colorado lifestyle around here. A lot of outdoors, a lot of camping, uh, those kinds of things. So it was just kind of a natural fit. And from there, I just fell in love with, uh, you know, dealing with the fire, dealing with the coals, learning about new flavors and techniques, uh, you know, all the new gadgets, of course, that come with barbecuing. There's plenty of those that fill up your patio, things like that. So that's kind of where it started with. And of course, like most people, you know, I, it wasn't long and I stumbled across Stephen uh, on public television and started to watch a lot of his shows. And I know that you've even mentioned in the past that, you know, if they're running a uh, marathon of Stephen Reichlin things in the, uh, on the weekends, that obviously you'll sit down and start to watch them or tape them. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of the same way. I like to do the same kind of thing. Dennis Bustle joining me. It's always fun to catch on and see what's going on. So when I first became aware that he actually held a class, I was, of course, very interested, but it was clear out on the East Coast. And so as a young man, that was just unreachable. And it wasn't until I got older that I discovered that he moved to the Broadmoor, and then it became one of those bucket list items that, you know, all of us want to put on there and see what goes on. Dennis Busso joining me here on the show. Um, Dennis, so aside, I guess, from it being closer to you, was there any other motivating factor for you to want to take the class? You know, I've always admired Stephen and his type of of uh, barbecuing and grilling, his experience that he has, and the flavors that he brings from all around the world. So that was really one of the big motivations is that, it, you know, it was a chance to get an opportunity to learn from a Hall of Famer, uh, for somebody that has been in it for a long time and obviously has written many, many books about the subject, and kind of have a chance to pick his brain and and learn as much as I possibly could from him. Dennis, what is the Broadmoor like from an amenities standpoint? Once you get up there, 
and you unpack and stuff before you even worry about what barbecue university is going to be like, what are, what's the setup like just from a high level at the Broadmoor? So it's kind of like driving up to a movie set. Uh, you picture these high end hotels with all the personnel out front, all in uniforms and caps and, You've got Maseratis and Ferraris parked out front, and you come rolling up in your 2008 Impala, and they all come rushing out to you know open the doors for you and grab your your suitcases and you know usher you into this beautiful building. It's a hundred years old this year, and it's immaculate. It's kept up really well. The grounds are picture perfect. It looks like a postcard when you arrive. So it's it's incredible. Let's talk about the class a little bit. Um, first of all, I guess, first and foremost, what's the cost of the class? So the classes start off around $2,100, and that really is based on the room that you choose. It goes up from there. So depending on how many people you're bringing or what kind of room you would prefer, um, you can you know, you can take it from twenty one hundred all the way up to probably four thousand dollars for three nights, and that includes the class, breakfast, and lunch are also included. So those are those are part of it. And then the amenities on the grounds, there's everything from uh, guided jeep tours and a full water park, bowling, archery, world class golf uh, courses are there. There's a theater there. There's uh, performing theaters also where they bring in, you know, musicians. And there's all kinds of concerts. There's a lot of things to do just on the grounds. The campus for this facility is huge. It sits at about 8,000 feet right at the foot of the Rockies. And Pikes Peak is a short drive up the mountain to get to it. So it's, it's surrounded by beautiful things to do outside of the campus also. What kind of a class length is it? How many days you in? So you arrive uh, on day one and you have kind of a meet and greet that night with Stephen. And then you go into the classes, which are three days. They run from nine in the morning till around noon, but you get there at about eight and have breakfast first. And Stephen is there at that time setting up, talking with people. Um, he also displays, like this year, we were getting a chance to see kind of behind the curtains of his new Project Fire show, and he enabled us to see the unedited versions of things. So you could see the bloopers, you could hear his track of announcer going through the dialogue that later he would record in a studio or partially record and put on the, on the TV. So that was kind of interesting to get a little peek behind the curtain. And we were the only people to really ever see that besides the production crew at that point. What kind of a syllabus or daily activities are going on and what's on the menu each day? So when you arrive uh, at the meet and greet, Stephen, first of all, uh, it's amazing because he makes an effort to get around to everybody at the meet and greet and say hi and talk to you and, you know, find out why you're there, what's going on. And where you came from, there are people from all over the world that come to this thing. So you get people from Guatemala, you get people from Montreal, you get people from Australia coming in for this. So it's quite the deal. And he he finds out a little bit about everybody and uh, a chance for you to ask questions and see what's going on. And then when you get back to your room, you have a surprise package waiting for you that has a really nice leather bound folder 
and the menus for the next three days are all listed on there. There's rough, roughly uh, 10 to 12 dishes that he cooks each day, but the best part is he throws in a whole bunch of extra things, especially if you're interested. So if you walk up to him and go, you know, I saw this thing on YouTube and this guy was doing this. He goes, I've never seen that. Let's try it. And he'll call back to the staff that's behind the scenes. Hmm. They'll come out with some produce and, you know, protein and whatever you need. And he'll give you an opportunity to cook it. So my first year there, which was actually last year, I ended up cooking the, the meals that I volunteered for. And it is a volunteer basis. And on, in addition to that, he probably had me do 10 or 12 other dishes over the three days. Really? Um, so by the time I was done, I, I felt like I got my money's worth for sure on cooking things. What's your favorite cooker that is on display there? Which one would you like to take home if you could? <laughs> you know, it's so hard because there's 30 to 40 different barbecues sitting out there and smokers. Anything from a fireplace that's actually out there to a pit barrel, to uh, an art flame, to a Kalamazoo. Uh, so you can eat a little bit of everything. I love the Kalamazoo, obviously, because you can have that big drawer and slide wood in there. Oh, yeah. That's really nice. You know, that, that thing's a lot of fun. But it's obviously very pricey. Um, so there's, you know, there's a wood-burning oven in there. Probably one of my favorites, though, is the big ranch kettle that he has. Yeah. That thing's like four foot in diameter. It's just massive, and it's it's a lot of fun. You can cook all kinds of things on that thing. Dennis, what kind of a live fire attendee, from your view, is is there? In other words, would you call yourself like the top pit master of all guests, or do you feel that there were others that were on your level, or maybe even higher? You know, you get you get people who are very new to grilling. the The couple that I met from Guatemala. They actually have a very tiny hibachi on a very tiny uh, a deck in their apartment because a lot of the grilling is actually done down in the streets by vendors there. And so they can just walk down to the, to the first floor of their building, walk out on the street and get just about anything they want that's grilled up by somebody else. So they were kind of new at it. But the cool thing was Stephen found out that there's a dish that they knew. And so he had them actually get up in front of the class and teach the class this dish from Guatemala. And they cooked it all up, and we got a chance to sample it and eat it. And uh, he does that a lot with with a variety of people. So, then there's people like this year, Tim, who I met. He is a, a competition pitmaster. He's out on the road competing, cooking briskets, him and his wife uh, on the trail through the whole summer. So it was kind of interesting to meet them and, and hear their perspective on things. And both of them, by the way, by the end of the class, were more than... Uh, eager to come back again and thought it was well worth it. Were there any media types that you could make out there or that announced themselves as somebody that was kind of covering the event? You know, you get people in from the Broadmoor, of course, that are in there taking coverage. There was somebody from a magazine there because I received a copy of that <laughs> just today in the mail that was taking some uh, still photos and a little story behind it. And then, of course, when Stephen's not doing the classes, some of his time is spent going into Colorado Springs or Denver and going to the local television stations and doing shows on there and also promoting his, you know, the latest book or the latest show that he's got going on. What kind of access to Stephen do you have after hours? You had mentioned that if you showed up at 8 o'clock, he was there and 
let you behind the curtain a little bit, but after the fact, does he like disappear and you never see him again? Or on the contrary, do you see him around the property and you can just saunter up to him and have a conversation about book writing or live fire cooking or what have you? Yeah, he is available. He is around the, the, uh, the grounds. Um, we've seen him multiple times and, and spoke with him. He also went, uh, Saturday night, I think he went bowling there. And so some people from the class actually joined in on the bowling. And, you know, he's, he's extremely accessible, very knowledgeable, and probably one of the nicest guys that have had an opportunity to, to be around. Um, he, he does a good job of answering everybody's questions, and he never seems to be impatient about it or like you're, you're taking his time. For a return on investment, or as I like to call it, the QPR quality price ratio, you see twenty one hundred bucks, you bug out a little bit, and it sounds like that might be where the basement is, and it can only go up from there. For three days, for I don't know if it's three or four hours a day. In the end, is it worth it to to bone out? I mean, for me, it would also have to be plane tickets there and back, and and some other stuff. But uh, all in all, it's worth it. You know, I, I considered it worth it, and everybody that I talked to seemed to feel it was worth it. There are people that have been to that particular class uh, 13 times in a row. Really? There were people in our class that had been there. This was their seventh and eighth year. Wow. There was a young man that was there with his father that started at age 12, and he was like 18 now. <laughs> so it, it, I kind of related to, is it worth getting floor seats to your favorite basketball team uh, for the playoffs, hmm. you're going to pay that extra money. Yeah. But the experience that you get by being on the floor and hearing all the sounds and the conversations that you don't pick up in the nosebleed section can make it worth it. So if, if barbecuing and grilling is your thing, then I think, yes, it definitely is. Quickly, Dennis, tell me about the upcoming Denver barbecue festival. I know you're a big fan. Yeah, this is one of the first times we've had a barbecue festival in Denver, and it's kind of partially put on by one of your buddies at GQ Barbecue. Nice. And they're bringing in some pretty big names. They've got Peg Leg uh, Poker coming in and Ponderosa Barbecue with Mo. They've got the the people, Brad and Brooke from uh, The Shed are coming in at, just off their win at Memphis in May. Yep. Um, so Salt Lake Barbecue's coming in. Mm-hmm. Ubon barbecues coming in. We've got people coming from the south, from the north, and from Kansas City and Iowa. So I think it's going to be a really good variety. When is that? That's uh, Father's Day weekend. Oh, Friday, Saturday, on. and Sunday. Friday is a VIP event. I'll be going to that. Uh, and yes, I'll be wearing my Barbecue Central shirt damn to that. Right. Damn right. So, that a boy. So we'll be trying to get some uh, some more people to tune in. If you are on the fence about Barbecue University, Dennis is saying, well, worth it. And the experience and the memories that you'll have to carry away from the event as well. He is a longtime Centralite and a alum of Barbecue University, Dennis Busso. Dennis, really appreciate the feedback. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Greg. It was great being on the show. You got it. There he is, Dennis. See, if you're a listener... You could be All on this show. Here via the Traeger Grills hotline. You don't have to always shuck out twenty one or forty two hundred bucks or anything like that to be on the show. I mean, if you want to pay me to do that so you can be on the show, I mean, hey, we can we can talk about. It. But he's got good perspective, laid out some good anecdotes, brought the energy. 
speaks well. Great guest material right there. Thank you, Dennis, for doing that. Longtime Centralite from Colorado. Next time you're in town, Dennis, we will uh, hook up and do that barbecue thing as long as the sports don't interfere. I believe we have the audio worked out as well, waiting for some feedback from John Dawson of Patio Daddio. Let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack, makers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking, grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com. Or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 always customer favorites. The PG 1000 actually doubles as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. If you're not into the pellet stuff or the other items that Cook Shack offers, you can check out one of their electric smokers. They're only the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make it a Cook Shack. Passion, dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing, with quality always being the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit the website cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show in full sound on the Barbecue Central Network. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. Hey, Smokin' with Smithfield Committee Cooks, make sure to head to SmokinWithSmithfield.com and report your first place prizes or wins to claim your prizes. Have you registered to compete in the American Royal Pork Loin Ancillary? Smithfield just increased the prize purse to six grand. Make sure you sign up at the American Royal website. And finally, don't forget to sign up for the Smithfield Classic, which will be in Richmond, Virginia on September 29th. To sign up, reach out to Jesse at Big Papa Smokers. That's Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E, Jesse at BigPapaSmokers.com. Thanks to the good folks over at Smithfield. All right. Semi-hellacious technical first hour, but podcasters will be none the different, and most of you are podcasters, so I'll stop saying it to belabor the point. I believe we're all set on the backside here for the Facebookers that are listening live. Sorry you missed that audio on the Hall of Fame talk. I did not do that on purpose. I did not. I did not. Andrew, you are not. I did not do that on purpose, so I don't want to hear about it. Uh, to her credit, by the way, Emily did answer all the questions. She did mention that she has seen my name being nominated. I gotta say, quite a abysmal amount of names being nominated. I'll recap that here as we get into the second hour. Let's refresh drinks. Let's all say that we'll come back here in about two to three minutes. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. Be right back. <laughs> 